Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. Celebrate the what I believe to be the beginning of the greatest week in all of human history. This is the week that changed the world. This week certainly changed everything for you and for me. Those of us who love the Lord, this week makes us thankful. Are there any thankful people in the room today? We're coming from Matthew 21, and I'm gonna begin reading at verse one. I believe the Lord is going to say some significant things in the room. You by live stream, I'm so honored to have you. The Bible says, and Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem. They came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter into it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you what you are doing, just say, the Lord has need of them. He will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy, the prophecy in Zechariah that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey and on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession. All the people around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heavens. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Listen, I've been overcome this week with thankfulness to Jesus. Jesus changed everything this week. I, I wonder if there's anybody here who's thankful for Jesus. Come on. I want to take just a few minutes and minister along these lines. Count down the Calvary. You're ready for this revelation. Slip up your hands. We're going to deposit this word in your spirit. Father, thank you for your word. We raise our hands. Many in the room may have never raised their hands before, but we're just raising our hands telling you, Lord, have your way. Choose us, feed us. God, I pray as I preach that people will be changed forever. Thank you for this week. Thank you that you changed everything. But Lord, selfishly, we say thank you most of all that you changed us. We give you praise. Somebody give the Lord a great big praise. And you can be seated. I want to say something right out of the box. I, and I'm telling you, I mean this from the very bottom of my heart. I say this from deep down inside, thank God for Jesus. Is there anybody in this second service on the central campus, are you thankful for Jesus? If you're thankful for Jesus, make a little noise in the room. 
We are entering now into Holy Week. Today is Palm Sunday. Jesus taught us so much in the final days before he was crucified. And I want to zero in just on the last week of his life and highlight some of the most incredible days that the world has ever known. Now for a, a quick disclaimer, I know that there are many different schools of thought about what days certain things occurred. And I'm going to ask you today not to get caught up on whether it was a Tuesday or a Monday or a Friday or a Thursday, but I want us to receive the lessons that Jesus taught us during the last several days on the way to Calvary, on the way to the countdown to Calvary. Palm Sunday, this Sunday, represents the beginning of Holy Week. It's where we think that the countdown to Calvary began in earnest. It represents the beginning of the final days of Jesus. But what you must understand, the countdown to Calvary did not begin just on Palm Sunday. But the countdown to Calvary began all the way back at the dawn of creation. The moment that man fell, the plan for man's redemption back to God was put in place and Jesus was to become the sacrifice for our sin. Quite honestly, even the week before Holy Week was so significant. It was that week that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. It was that week, just one week earlier, that Jesus had done these miracles. In fact, on Saturday night, he let a repentant, delivered prostitute wash his feet. And I want you to understand that the week that Jesus was crucified was known to the Jews as the week of Passover. Now the city of Jerusalem normally had a population of about 30,000 people. But during the week of Passover, crowds swelled to over 300,000 people. In fact, Josephus said there might have been millions. And it was an amazing and intense time. So let's start off on Palm Sunday. Remember the amazing story. Jesus here sends his disciples to get a donkey. Go get a donkey. They're like, just get it. Just, just get it. It's like Grand Theft Auto. Come on, somebody. Just get the donkey. We're going to get arrested. You see, the truth is they, they might have been afraid, and it was like Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he instructed them and said, if there are any issues, Go get a donkey, but he said in Mark eleven three, 3, if there are any issues, tell them the Lord has need. Now, now, what an incredible statement to me. The Lord has need. This is almost shocking to me. I'm taken back by this statement. The Lord has need. Y'all, he's God. What could he need? He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. What in the world could more than enough need? But what must be understood is the fact that the Lord already owned the colt and the donkey and everything else. He already owned that donkey. The Bible said in Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means that God owns everything and everything in it. He owns the world and he owns everything in the world. Some of y'all say, I own that piece of property. Well, when you die, We'll find out if you own it. 
See, God owns the world and he owns everything in the world. So, so I want you to understand that Jesus, God, will place things in our hands. He will place things in our heart. And even though it's already all his, he gives us the option, will we keep it or will we give it? Will we withhold it or will we extend it? Because in reality, you need to understand this, in providing for his people, he provides for his own work. Look again at verse 3. The Lord has need. The word need there means employment, requirement, business. What could the Lord need? See, the Lord was declaring here, I have necessary duty-bound business to take care of. And I want to tell you, we, we may have a school here. We may have a university here. Uh, we, we may do television and radio out of here. We may do a lot of different things, but let me tell you, we are not in the TV business. We are not in the radio business. We are not in the school business. We are in the king's business. Come on, make a little noise if you're glad to be in a church where we're in the king's business. And here's the question. Is there anybody here today that would actually be interested in partnering with God in his business? In providing for us, God provides for himself. In Luke chapter 5, he provided Simon with, a, with Simon with a ship and then got on that ship to preach the gospel. In Luke 22, he provided a good man with an upper room and then he used that upper room to celebrate Passover, establish communion, and for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. In Mark 11, he provides someone with a donkey and then uses it to ride triumphantly into Jerusalem. In Mark 15, he provided a man named Joseph of Arimathea with a tomb, yet he borrowed that tomb. See, the only time you borrow something is when you're planning on giving it back. Y'all ain't saying nothing. See, Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb. There were probably those who were saying, Joseph of Arimathea, man, what have you done? You're giving your tomb away, Joseph said, ain't no big deal. <laughs> Just kind of a weekend thing. On the third day, Jesus kicked the end out of that tomb, and he's alive right now. The Lord provided for all them, and when he provided for them, he provided for himself. Now, it's amazing to me that we realize the Lord had need and what he needed was a donkey, a stubborn, hard-headed, common, everyday donkey. The Lord said, he's a donkey, but I need him. He's stubborn, but I need him. He's hard-headed, but I got a job for him. He wants to go his own way, but I want to use him. <laughs> I'm about to preach. Isn't it amazing that the Lord needs us? Do you ever get surprised that he needs us? And when I say the Lord needs us, I don't mean he needs us to become who he is or any sense of who he is, but because he is God with or without us, the Lord needs us because he wants to use us. Surely there were those who thought, man, it makes more sense if Jesus were to ride in on a beautiful, powerful, majestic steed, a stallion, a, a white war horse. But Jesus said, no, I have business for a donkey. <laughs> I came to tell somebody I got good news for you. The Lord still uses donkeys. 
Oh, I'm glad about it. I said, I'm glad about it. Tell your neighbor, say, you really ought to be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, for you especially. You especially ought to, y'all ain't saying nothing. Your neighbor should really be happy. I know you got it going on, but your neighbor should be happy that God still uses stubborn, hard-headed, go your own way, talk too much, say too much. He still uses donkeys. See, there are times when the Lord uses us and we think someone else is more qualified, someone else is more capable. Use the thoroughbred, I'm just a donkey. Use the thoroughbred, I'm just a donkey, but Jesus uses people who are not all that. Jesus uses people who struggle. Jesus uses underdogs. Jesus uses the unlikely. Jesus uses the unfit. Jesus uses what other people reject. And that's one of the reasons I love him today. That's one of the reasons why I have to praise him. That's one of the reasons why I have to bless him because in spite of me, he uses me. He still uses donkeys. Jesus, Jesus rode a donkey, y'all. I mean a donkey, imagine. The Bible said he could have ridden on a cherub and flown upon the wind, but he did not. He rode uh, a donkey. His name is Jah, the one who rides on the heavens, but that day he rode a donkey. And I'm glad today that even though I have struggles, even though I'm not a thoroughbred, even though I'm not all that, even though I have issues, even though I can be hard-headed, even though I can go my own way, even though I'm not all I ought to be, I stand before you today and say, thank you, Lord, that you're still using donkeys. Come on. I dare somebody who knows you ain't all that. And maybe you've been a donkey once in a while. Give God a praise if you're glad that he still uses donkeys. Now, I want you to see the dichotomy of the story. Jesus is coming in on one side of Jerusalem. He's coming in through the Golden Gate. He's coming in on a donkey at the same time You've got Pilate coming in on the other side of Jerusalem and he's riding a white horse. Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy of Zechariah 9.9 that said your king's gonna come in humility, he's gonna be riding a donkey, but conquerors would ride white horses. And, and here Pilate is strutting in on a white horse with all this fanfare all these soldiers around him and trumpets are blaring and he's riding in on a white horse. Trumpets are sounding. Come on now. He's surrounded by soldiers and then you got Jesus coming in on a donkey. But let me just tell you something. <laughs> the first time Jesus came through that gate, he was riding on a donkey. And he was going in as the Lamb of God. See, judges rode donkeys. And he was about to be judged for the sin of the whole earth. So that time he came on a donkey. But let me tell you, the next time he comes, Revelation 19 says he's faithful and true. And the next time he comes, it ain't going to be on a donkey, baby. But he'll be riding on a white horse as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Somebody give him praise if you're tracking with me right now. Pilate is, Pilate is coming in and, and he's representing this, this earthly kingdom. 
He's riding in on this white horse, on this steed, on this war horse, and he's representing this earthly kingdom. But here comes Jesus <laughs> riding a donkey. Tell your neighbor, it's not about the donkey, it's about the passenger. Oh, people can underestimate me all day long. People can say, oh, Jim Rayleigh, he's not enough. He's got issues. But let me tell you, it never has been about Jim Rayleigh, but it's about who I carry. <laughs> it's about what I carry. Anybody glad you carry Jesus? Hallelujah. By the Holy Spirit, you got... Don't you know if that donkey ever realized who he was carrying? If that donkey realized that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lily of the Valley, the Captain of the Host, El Roy, I, El Shaddai is on his back, baby, he started strutting like a Clydesdale when he walked in there because it was not about the donkey, it was about the passenger. Mm. Mm. Pilate comes in, being heralded. But guess what? Rome fell. But let me tell you, there came one named Jesus riding the donkeys, whose kingdom has no end, whose glory knows no bounds. We don't know much about Pilate, but everybody knows J-E-S-U-S today. Now, you know that Jesus is the center of this story, but understand there are two major players in Jerusalem, and those two major players at this time, this holy week, are Pilate and Caiaphas, the high priest. And neither of these wanted trouble in Jerusalem. Pilate actually lived along the coast in Caesarea. I've been there many times, and you who are going to Israel with me, I'll take you right there where Pilate would have lived. And he comes from Caesarea into town during Passover. And he comes in the other side of the city. Jesus is coming through the Golden Gate. Pilate comes into the other side of the city and he comes in for one reason. He wants to remind every Jew who's in charge. He wants every Jew to know that Rome is in charge of the Jews. Now listen, I'm sure as he came in, he already heard about this Jewish itinerant preacher. He'd already heard about this Jesus who's performing miracles and who's amassing a huge following. But the thing that disturbed him most was that Jesus is preaching something that this Roman leader could not allow. He's preaching kingdom. He's preaching about another kingdom. And this Jewish Roman leader could not allow any talk of any other kingdom except the Roman kingdom. So Jesus is preaching kingdom. Preaching about another kingdom. He said, mine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. He said, my kingdom will know no end. Jesus is preaching about kingdoms that will fall, but his kingdom will rise and remain. And so this man, Pilate, hears about this Jesus preaching kingdom. Jesus refers to kingdom in excess of 130 times in the gospel. And we know for sure and for certain that the kingdom Jesus preached did not include Caesar as the king. 
but it included the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It included Jesus, the Lamb of God, and Pilate could not allow this. So here you have a, a town that normally has 30,000 people in it. Now it's swollen to 300,000 people and Caiaphas is hoping for peace and Pilate is hoping for peace because Caiaphas didn't want anything to happen because Caiaphas was the high priest and he actually was in charge of the city. Caiaphas had it going on. He lived in the upper city, y'all. He was living large. He was living in the upper city. He lived in a mansion. He had everything his heart desired. He had a gravy train with of biscuit wheels. Don't make me go country on y'all. What I'm trying to tell you is he didn't want nothing to mess up what he had going on. So here he and Pilate have this uneasy alliance together. They don't want anything to happen. Caiaphas wanted nothing to mess up his gravy train. He ruled Jerusalem. He lived in opulence in the upper city. He, he was wealthy. He had everything he wanted. And these two wanted the Jews to remain calm. But yet the Jews despised the Romans. So you have hundreds of thousands of people in the city. And the city is ripe for rebellion. It is seething because they despise the Roman rule. So here the Jews are. They are ripe for this, this rebellion to rise up. And then Pilate hears about this king that is talking about another kingdom. And Caiaphas already knows that the religious leaders have problems with Jesus. See, the, the Romans ruled Jerusalem and Israel with a hot with an iron fist. The Jews hated and despised that reality. In fact, they were under such control that Passover could not be celebrated without permission from the Romans because the Romans kept the priestly garments under lock and key. And you could not celebrate Passover without the ceremonial garments. And the Jews were literally ruled by the Romans, even in their worship. They were held hostage. And it was like the, the Romans were saying, unless you do exactly what we want you to do, we will not even allow you to celebrate Passover. They were held hostage by the Romans, even in their worship. And I see a little lesson here. The Romans represent the world today. And let me tell you, just bear with me, much of the church is being held hostage by the world. The enemy has locked up so much. He's locked up truth. Preachers are afraid to tell it. He's locked up Bible preaching. The enemy has locked up preaching, preaching messages that address sin. We have preachers, they're held hostage by the world. They don't want to be offensive. Come on, somebody. They don't want anything to mess up their uh, gravy train uh, with their biscuit wheels. They don't talk about injustice. They don't talk about racism. They don't talk about sexual bondage. They won't talk about the life of the unborn. But let me find you, baby. I'll step on your toe. I'll find you somewhere. They won't talk about the issues that are pertinent to our society because they, the church in, in, in many situations is being held hostage. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I love everybody, but I broke out a long time ago and I ain't trying to impress anybody. I'm going to preach the truth and shame the devil because that's what God's called me to do. We got to have some men of God that will talk about all of it. I said all of it. 
I love everybody and I don't want to be critical and, and I always want to preach the truth in love, but I want to tell you we are living, look at me, we are living in a critical moment. We are living in a critical hour. And I say this in love, but it is time. Preachers must preach the truth or they must take a seat. Y'all bear with me, I'll get by this in a minute. But I'm telling you, preachers have got to preach the truth or they got to take a seat. We don't need entertainers in the pulpit. We don't need just good communicators, but we need men that will stand up that are not in league with the world and say, you can't lock me up, you can't shut me up, you can't set me down, you didn't call me, you didn't deliver me, your power does not instruct me. The Jews despised the Romans and most couldn't stomach Caiaphas because he's Pilate's lapdog. So Jerusalem, see it now, watch, it's seething. It's ripe for rebellion. And Jesus comes into the city on Sunday amid shouts of Hosanna. Now in the Old Testament, Hosanna means save us, but in the New Testament, with the Greek overtones, Hosanna means salvation has come. So Jesus is riding in on a donkey and the crowd starts shouting, salvation has come, salvation has come. I, I wonder, is there anybody here today, you remember when salvation came to you? I dare you make a little noise if you're glad salvation came to you. Come on, if you know you're saved, clap your hands and shout unto God. Come on. So Jesus comes in, bro, they are throwing down their, their cloaks, they're cutting down palm branches, and they're shouting Hosanna. But Jesus knew that the story was far from over because many of the people who were shouting Hosanna on Sunday will be shouting crucify on Friday. Many of the people who are saying Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna on Sunday are gonna shout crucify him on Friday. And that just leaves me to this little side note. Be careful because the same people who throw compliments at you one day may throw bricks at you the next. Is there anybody who's lived long enough like I have? You had people in your corner? Dear Jesus, if you had a buffet, they would fix your plate. But then there came a point, baby. I, I don't know why I said that. We must be in store for a buffet soon. Hallelujah, because the Bible says buffet your flesh. No, that's buffet your flesh. Sorry about that. But hallelujah, there are people, they will fix your plate, they will look out for you, they are complimenting you, but the day you can do them no more good, the day they get done with you, baby, they go from complimenting you to pouring, throwing bricks at you. Jesus has just had the greatest day of his ministry. He's just rolled in the Eastern Gate riding a donkey and he is being heralded as salvation. He's had the greatest day of his ministry. And then he goes that night to spend the night in Bethany or Bethpage. And Bethany, if you define it, Bethany means this. It means house of misery. Let's talk about it. How do you go from in the morning, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. And that night you're sleeping in the house of misery. I'm trying to tell you that life will flip on you. 
I'm trying to tell you one minute you can be full of joy and victory and the next minute misery can come. You can be, y'all don't want me to preach this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you that life is funny, honey. That, that one minute you can have joy and the next minute you can be hanging on for dear life. You, you know, y'all know how I said, you can be walking down the road singing, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Oh, I told Satan, get behind. Victory today is ring, 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 ring. It's my mother-in-law. Hello? Rick'em, frick'em, shig'em. Rig'em, rig'em. Come on, that's cartoon cussing. Y'all know that. Rig'em, frick'em, rig'em. And you put your phone back in your pocket and you say, I'm climbing up on the rough side. Y'all don't say nothing to me. How many of y'all know times change? You can feel good when one minute you can be shouting, they're shouting Hosanna to you one minute, the night you're sleeping in misery. I'm trying to tell you this. I have finally made up in my mind. I'm not going to let the way people treat me have control over me. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. When I got money, when I'm broke, when I'm sick, when I'm well, when I'm weak, when I'm strong, I will bless the name of the Lord. The lesson is sometimes that's life. Have your greatest day and your worst night. Keep it in perspective and just trust him. Jesus spends the night in Bethany and then he comes back over the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. Remember on the way, he cursed the fig tree for not yielding fruit. Some say this was a pronouncement of the fruitlessness of the empty religion led by Caiaphas. Jesus comes into the temple on that Monday. Now he's already really upset Pilate. Now he comes into the temple and starts turning the tables of the money changers upside down. He starts turning the table of those who were selling doves upside down. And these people, the money changers especially, what they did, they exchanged the money to enable people to pay a half shilling temple tax. So these money changers were exchanging money for this half shilling tax. But the problem was that there were people who were coming from other countries and from rural areas who were not quite as connected as the Jews in Jerusalem and many people were being treated unfairly and inequitably. The issue was that some folks were being treated one way while other folks were being treated another. And Jesus comes in and he said, I can't stand for this. He said, there's got to be equality in my house. See, I wanna tell you something. Everybody should be equal in the house of God. Oh, I better say that again. I said everybody should be equal in the house of God. 
It doesn't matter how much you struggle. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter if you're a crack addict or a Christ addict. It doesn't matter if you're a doper or a deacon. It doesn't matter if you're a prostitute or a prophetess. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Everybody's got to be treated the same. Red, yellow, black, and white. Rich and poor, educated and illiterate. There's got to be equality in the house of the Lord. The Lord comes in and he's having a problem because some people are treated good and some people are treated bad. And I'm telling you, that can never happen in God's house. We can never think that somebody else is more important than somebody else and somebody else is less than someone else. Hear me in this room. So Jesus sees all this inequality and he sees people that he loves being cheated and he starts upsetting the apple cart. He starts turning over the money changes and, and, and kicking them out of the temple. And then he says something very incredible. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Man, I got to thinking about that and I said, Lord, talk to me. Why did you call it a house of prayer? You could have called it anything. And I know your house is a house of prayer, but why did you say that? And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. He said, remember, there were those that were being preferred in the house of God and others were being taken advantage of. But the Lord said to me, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He said, something happens when you pray. He said, something happens when you pray. Everybody's equal when you pray. When you pray in the name of Jesus, Jesus, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have or maybe you didn't even graduate college. Billionaires and bums are equal when you pray. Presidents and paupers are equal when you pray. Social elites and social outcasts are equal when you pray. So when you pray in the mighty name of Jesus, it doesn't matter if you've been a Muslim, if you've been a Hindu, if you've been a homosexual, if you've been an addict, if you've been bound, when you pray in the mighty name of Jesus, you get the same opportunity to come before God that I do. Oh. Don't you ever strut around and act like you're better than anybody else. Don't you ever strut around and act like he loves you any more than he loves anybody else. When we pray, we are all the same. Somebody give God a shout in this house. Oh are equal when we pray. Never look down your nose at anybody. That night, Jesus stays in Bethany again. The next day, he heads back to Jerusalem. He's upset at Pilate talking kingdom. And now the religious leaders are upset with him because he's established his spiritual authority. And Pilate and Caiaphas are sweating it. Is there going to be a rebellion? Are they going to rise up? Is there going to be a civil war? The religious leaders are upset with Jesus. Because, let me tell you something. Watch this. Just religion hates authority. Religion without grace, religion without Jesus hates authority. So Jesus... Here he comes and they try to entrap him because they want to kill him. And Jesus evades their crap. Let me just say this. Some of y'all say the Jews killed Jesus. Some of y'all say the Romans took the life of Jesus. But let me tell you, Jesus said, no man take my life. He said, I lay it down. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. 
Do you not think he could have called down the host of heaven? Do you not think he could have stopped everything that was happening to him? But he laid it down. He said, no man take my life. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I will pick it up again. You better give God a praise if you're talking with me today. So here's what Jesus does, y'all. He's already upset, Pilate, because he's talking kingdom. He already upset the temple because he's turned over the money changers, and now he gets ready to poke religion right in the eye. And, here, and he didn't have to do it. Here's what he said in Matthew 23, and I'm paraphrasing. Watch this. Blind guides. He starts talking to, the, to Caiaphas and all his cronies. For you are like whitewashed tombs. Hello. Beautiful on the outside with your dead people's bones on the inside. You got all sorts of impurity. Outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Snakes! Don't you know that somebody's honey got tight in the temple? Sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? Poke Caiaphas right in the eye. He upset Pilate with the kingdom talk. And now, ladies and gentlemen, he has set off hell in the religious community. In this moment, Pilate and Caiaphas realize we can't let him live. Something's got to happen. This is the day it went to another level. This is the day that Judas betrayed Christ. Jesus spends another night in Bethany and some say he rested the next day. And then we come to what we call Monday, Thursday. This is the time when Jesus meets his disciples and he washes their feet. Monday means washing and on this night, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples and there are so many lessons here. In this act, we see the humility of Jesus. We understand that he is God, y'all. He, he's, he's not just a created being, he is God. How many of you know God wasn't schizophrenic in Genesis when he said, let us make man in our own image? The word us there, it translates the name of God that means God's plural. It means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is not created. He's always been, and he always will be. Don't you think it was just a man that knelt down at the disciples' feet and washed his feet? No, it was God. It was the creator of the universe that got down on his hands and knees and washed the feet of his disciples. a terrible job to do. It was the worst job you could imagine to wash someone's feet in those days because people walked everywhere they went and because the roads were filled with livestock, horses and donkeys and beasts of burden, there was refuge all in the roads. People were constantly walking in that, getting it in their feet. This job was reserved for the lowest servant because the feet were so filthy and so stinky. It was such a bad job that you could not even require a Jew that had fallen into servitude to wash feet. Yet, yet Jesus did. If we strive to be like Jesus, we must never, 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 ever believe that we are too good to serve. <laughs> 
I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what, what university you've been matriculated through. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how much money you are. None of us are above serving. Let me tell you, I heard it said, if serving is beneath you, then if serving is beneath you, then leading is above you. Jesus is literally ours from the cross, yet... He is not consumed with himself, but serving others. For the Passover celebration, John 13, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his Father. And he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. One translation said, having loved his own, he loved them till the end. How in the world do you become the kind of person that will love right straight through till the end? May I be transparent with you today? I'm not sure I'm that kind of person. I want to be that kind of person. I want to be more like Jesus. But here is the reality, y'all. My love sometimes runs hot and cold. Sometimes my love is strong and other times my love is weak. The truth is if you hurt me enough, I may not be able to love you till the end. Oh, listen, y'all pray for me. I know y'all got it going on, but pray for me. If you hurt my children, I may not be able. If you attack one of my daughters, I may. If you do something to my son, if you do something to my wife, I, I may struggle with you. If you hurt me enough, if you disappoint me enough, I want to be like Jesus, but I don't know if it's. Oh, I'm just a man. Y'all pray for me. I got issues. Y'all pray for me. I'm your preacher, but y'all pray for me. If you knew my struggles, would you still call me brother? If you knew my struggles, would you still let me pastor you? If you knew that I still got issues. I don't know how long my love would last. You disappoint me enough, I don't know. You hurt me bad enough. I might find a limit. Oh Jesus, help me Lord. But see, here's the truth. Not Jesus. Jesus will love you right straight through till the end. See, here's what I know. We wouldn't be here if he didn't love us to the end. He will love you right straight through to the end. He will love you when you're crazy. He will love you when you hurt him. He will love you when you won't worship. He will love you when you won't praise. He will love you when you walk out. He will love you when you walk in. He will love you when you walk off. He will love you when you rebel. He will love you when you lose your mind. He will love you when you lose your way. Right, right to the end.
Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Holler at him, say neighbor. Say, I don't know about you, but say I'm only here because he never stopped loving me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm only here because he never stopped loving me. People stopped loving me. My contemporaries stopped loving me. My friends may have stopped loving me. My own family may have stopped loving me. There have been moments when I did not even love myself anymore, but I stand before you today. I'm preaching the gospel. I've got an anointing. I've got a ministry, and I'm only here today because he never stopped loving me. He'll love you to the end. He loved me right straight through to the end. Tell your neighbor, he will love you till the end. I struggled, but he never stopped loving me. I forgot about him, but he never stopped loving me. Yes, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible. Tell your neighbor, I'm only here because he never stopped loving me. See, they don't appreciate your praise. They don't, they don't understand your worship. They don't understand your tears. They don't understand why you get overcome in the presence of the Lord. But they don't know how many times you disappointed him, but he never stopped. loving you so here jesus is come on up sons that i had today come on up judah he he gathers his disciples together el shaddai el roy el shaddai more than enough el shaddai the god who is there before you get there Jehovah Jireh, provider, see you where you are. I make provision for you. That's what it means. Jehovah Rapha, healer. Jehovah Nisi, banner. Captain of the host, conqueror. He gathers his disciples together. Yahweh, washing feet. All 12 are there. They're there. Some of them have issues, but they still got a seat. Problems, but they still hurt. Oh, shakapa, hiti, hundred out of old shakit and the mahasa. 
I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Feel the power of God in this room. Got issues, but they still got a seat. Struggle, but they still got a seat. Jesus comes up, kneels down. I know you're going to deny me. I know you're gonna act like you don't know me, Peter. I know you did all that big talk, son, but before the crow even sounds three times, you, you're gonna deny me, son. But I want you to know that even though you denied me, you still got a seat. Even though you've acted like you don't know me, you still got a seat. Even though you were ashamed of me. Oh, y'all ain't in church with me today. I can't hear nobody. You still got a seat. Even though you knew me when you were with me, when I got in a situation where I needed you, yeah, yeah, but you still. Let me wash your feet. Now, Thomas, I'm gonna wash your feet, son. You've doubted me. You're going to disbelieve me even when I raise from the dead. After I hang on that cross for 15 hours, after I struggle and the death rattle comes into my chest, after I've beaten and mangled and marred and abused, I, you won't even believe that I'm alive. You won't even believe that I did what I said I would do. But in spite of your doubt and your disbelief, you still got a seat. In spite of your denial, you still got a seat. In spite of the fact that you ain't even trusting me the way I deserve to be trusted, let me tell you, you still. I feel the anointing, you still got a seat. You don't believe all the time, but you still got a seat. You get faith in where it needs to be, but you still got a seat. Let me come to you, Judas. Judas, you'll betray me. Judas, you'll hurt me. Judas, you'll wound me, but I'll call you friend. Judas, Judas, you'll put into motion this whole thing of crucifixion and think you are being led by the devil, but God allowed it, Judas, so I could pay for people just like you, so I could bring people just like you back into the kingdom, Judas. Let me wash your feet. Let me show you that nothing you've done can stop me from loving you. Let me show you that nothing you've done can disqualify you from having a seat. Huh? Let me show you that your, 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 your denial and your doubt and your betrayal does not stop me from offering you a seat. Oh, sit out there and be religious, but tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I'm, I'm only here because of his goodness. Tell your neighbor, I got issues, but I got a seat. I got problems, but I got a seat. I've struggled, but I still have. I denied him, but I still got a seat. I've not always believed. Stand on your feet, everybody. But I still have a seat. I've struggled. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I know I have issues but I still have a seat. Somebody clap your hands.
hands if you're glad. See, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do in this season. I want to leave this church. I want to shout it from the mountaintops. I want to proclaim it in the city streets. Bring that seat up. Come on, let me see it. I want to proclaim it everywhere that I can proclaim it. I want to let people know we have a seat for you at Calvary. You might be addicted, but we got a seat for you. You might be rebellious, but we got a seat for you in Ormond, in NSB, in Palm Coast, in Orlando. Even folks that have issues make a little noise if they still got a seat. Having loved his own, he loved them right straight through to the end. On Monday, Thursday, baby, he kneels down and washes the feet of his disciples. Monday means washing. That's what the word Monday means. Monday, Thursday means washing. And I just want to get to the place for this week, this holy week. I, I say, Lord, I want to make it personal. This Holy Week, make it personal. Let Jesus wash anything out of your life that needs to be addressed. Just raise your hand and say, wash it, Lord. Yeah, yeah, wash away that unforgiveness. Wash away that offense. Mm, come on, somebody. Wash away that anger. Wash away that pride. I don't want to carry it, Lord. Let me leave and wash it away. See, he had to wash the feet of his disciples because he was preparing them for something else. And some of you need to say, Lord, wash me because you're preparing me for something else. And I don't want to take the residue of what I've been through into my next season. Oh, Jesus. See, this week is so critical. On this Sunday, watch this. I'm trying to close. How many of you have been fed by the word today? How many of you learned something? Come on, give the Lamb of God all the praise. This, this, this is a critical component of this story because we, we, I, I wanted to walk you through Holy Week. I wanted you to understand the atmosphere, why why did they crucify Jesus? I wanted you to understand the tension between Caiaphas and Pilate and all that was going on there. But the amazing thing about it is Jesus came through the Golden Gate, the Eastern Gate, on what was called Lamb, Lamb Selection Day. This is the day that the families would choose the lamb, who they would bring to their house, and they would keep that lamb and they would observe that lamb and they would look at that lamb and the reason they looked at it they would make sure that there were no blemishes on that lamb and they loved that lamb and they raised that they took care of that lamb for those days and that was the lamb they selected to become their passover lamb isn't it ironic that there are hundreds of thousands of lambs and theologians tell us that the lambs that were selected came from bethlehem they were lambs from Bethlehem. 
who were raised specifically to be sacrificial lambs. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, raised to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the earth. Here they are in the city now. They're in the city, John, and they're looking for the lambs. They're trying to select a lamb for their family. And Jesus comes in. He is the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the earth. He is riding a donkey. He's the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the whole earth. And it's like Jesus is riding in and he's saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. I'm the Lamb that can change it all. I'm the Lamb of God. Pick me, pick me. I can change your family. I can restore your life. I can put your world back together. There's no blemish in me. There's no issues in me. Pick me. This week, it's lamb selection time. I've asked the Lord, I don't want just crowds. I want souls. Don't just give me crowds, give me souls. We can have crowds at a concert. I want more than crowds. I want souls. 15,000 people are coming. I want souls. So here's what I need. I need you. Tell your neighbor, pastor needs you. I can't do this alone. If I could, I would. But I need you. We're doing a Love Can Build a Bridge prayer walk. We're going to be in New Smyrna, at the bridge in New Smyrna. We're going to be at the Sea Breeze Bridge, is that right? In Daytona. We're going to be at the bridge in Palm Coast. Hundreds of people in, at, at, at all bridges wearing red shirts. Come on, somebody. And we're going to be praying. Pastor Don and I have prayed prayers and we have made a podcast. So you need to bring your earphones. You need to bring your, 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 your phones that you can listen to this podcast and you'll hear Pastor Don and I praying. And we'll worship with you. And we're going to pray in all three of these spots. And we're going to let the devil know it's Lamb Selection Day. Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message.